Ah, welcome aboard, whether by accident or on purpose, perhaps either good luck or bad luck, or maybe you just hatched here. Welcome to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we challenge people to participate in their lives through full impact mindfulness, to avoid wishing and hoping and waiting for something to come. What we're looking for is people who are looking to create themselves rather than define themselves. If you have the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try, welcome aboard. And as always, we like to have an eclectic roster of guests. And today, we're fortunate enough to join by our new friend from the United Kingdom, uh, Miss Lydia of Life with Lydia fame and author of Diary of a Broken Mind. Miss Lydia, welcome aboard. Hello. I don't really know how to. I don't know how to do this. I'm just like, hi. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, how does a person introduce themselves? So, what's good about being Lydia? What is good about being Miss Lydia? I have green hair, and I'm a human. You have green hair, and you're a human. Okay. Well, some people associate green hair with space aliens. So, um. <laughs> I mean, it's been pink before. So. Hmm. Yes, I've uh, I've reviewed some of the videos and gone through your various incarnations of yourself. It's it's really nice. I love people who express themselves, man. I just like having fun. Uh, that's cool. Steve Jobs, who uh, started Apple along with Steve Wozniak, he had a quote one time that I really like. Uh, it said, some people are more comfortable being in the Navy and others are more comfortable being a pirate. So what ship are you on, Lydia? I'm just hovering in between somehow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, and as always, when we're viewing and looking around and absorbing information, we happen to come across uh, your videos because we're always looking for recovery stories. We're always looking for people who have shown resilience against adversity and, more importantly, what they've done about it. So... I was particularly taken by your uh, BPD diagnosis story. Oh, that video. Yes. Could you share with uh, us a little bit of, a little bit about yourself, what you feel comfortable with sharing, and uh, perhaps uh, talk about your life a bit? Okay. So I started sharing things online when I was like 12, 13, so somewhere on the internet, just 13-year-old me singing songs and whatever. But I started talking about mental health like four or five years ago. And that's when okay. my mental health was in like massive decline. Like I was, one, I was underweight by a lot. And I went into hospital. I was in and out of hospital. And when I turned 17, I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And that okay. was a well, bit of a slap in the face, really, because before then everyone was like, oh, you just have anxiety, you're just anxious, you're just anxious. And I was like, but I'm not. So Okay, so could you share with uh, perhaps some of the people out there who may be thinking that uh, what, we, what we talk about is particularly in 12-step recovery, we talk about people who believe they have terminal uniqueness, who they're, who they're the only ones who have these type of symptoms and they're afraid to share them with anyone. Yeah, like, I, I know a few people who don't talk about it because of all the stigma attached to it, like some of my closest friends are so afraid of the diagnosis. So could you share with us a little bit some of the symptoms and some of when you began to have the insight and realization that say, hey, uh, maybe I, maybe this 
quite isn't the way I want to live. Well, it was like my moods would switch very quickly. Like, I still do. Like, the slightest thing and I'll just snap and I'm feeling something completely different and bouncing off the ceiling. I'm like, my mood was so unpredictable. And then I'd go to being from like extremely happy. I'd just be suicidal. And, you know, it caused a lot of issues. I nearly got kicked out of college. I nearly got kicked out of university because of it. So you were rapid cycling. How did uh, how did your loved ones, how did the people around you deal with that? All right. So my family aren't the most, like, mental healthy. They're not really. Some of them, most of them don't believe in it, which is kind of hard because I kind of talk about it for a living. So um, <laughs> it's always interesting when I'm with my mom and she's like, well, why are you talking about it? It's not real. Me. Um, my medication would beg to differ. The first admission I had when I was sectioned, which is, you know, hospital against will, my mom came up and she's like, well, just leave me. Like, I can't. If I try, they'll, like, floor me. And believe me, I've tried. I've tried escaping them units, and I'm, I'm not very good at it. Uh, everything's worth well, a try most, at least most, once. Most, most people are not. They they have, don't have much of a sense well, of humor. I got out. That. I got out once, and it's kind of a really stupid way, but I moved a ceiling tile and climbed through the ceiling. Now, you're an inventive person. <laughs> inventive. I, mean, oh, I so, moved a chair so I could move the tiles, but hey. And the reason that you were placed in the hospital? Um, it was... Because I was suicidal. I've only ever been hospitalized either when I've been underway or when I've been suicidal. Okay. So some people take the view of mental health that simply because you can't stick a thermometer in somebody's mouth and say, well, Lydia is a seven on the mania scale or Lydia is 15 on the depression scale. They don't believe it's true. They People have the misconception that it's a matter of self-control and that you could you could deal with it if you wanted to. I think the best thing I get told is go make a cup of tea, which is like the most British thing ever. But when you have like a professional say to you on the phone, go make a cup of tea. It's like, well, how helpful yeah, is that? that? That's a cup of tea is really going to help me feeling suicidal. I, I mean, you know, oh, it's British. It's it, British, so it's got to be a cue. Well, in uh, <laughs> in our practice, Lydia, that if that worked, I'd stand outside with a pot of tea. Um, however, we found that people start out with concern, then they lead, then they go to frustration, and quite often that leads to anger. When people oh, say, yeah. well, "When are you going to get over this?" You know, snap out of this, Lydia. Get a grip. Yeah, all things I've had said to me, both my professionals so, and my family. So, My professionals. Yeah, the NHS is kind of known for how bad the mental health services are. Well, um, I'm unfamiliar with the mental health services over in uh, the United right, Kingdom. So it's, it's all through the NHS. So it's all free. Could, could you explain yeah. the NHS a bit to us, please? Um, it's National Health Service. It's just free healthcare for everyone. I don't think okay, anyone well, in this country can afford private healthcare, so... Well, of course, you probably realize in the United States that healthcare is an absolute and total cluster mess. Oh, I know uh, that. 
<laughs> so in the United States, when somebody is uh, admitted to a hospital against their will, it's called a, a 302 commitment. And that means that they have to be either a danger to themselves or a danger yeah. to another. That's how the mental health act works over here. So, so you've how you've been you were placed in you were uh, having what we would call emotion regulation issues. Yeah, uh, you were rapid cycling. And did anyone actually realize that you didn't control this? Um, it took a while. It took for a police officer to realize and. Um, you know, when the police get involved, it's already too late, really. But Yes. Like, I had police come and get me off a bridge and get me off train tracks. And I'm not going to lie, I've probably put them through hell, like, with paperwork. But it took for them to make a report to the mental health team for me to actually get any support. Because the generalised doctor that I had was very anti-mental health and still is now. So... Like with my medication, literally this week on Monday, my GP was like, I'm not prescribing it. So um, I got the joys of antidepressant and antipsychotic withdrawal. So that was fun. So could you describe some of the symptoms that you were experiencing and wondering, is everybody feeling like this? With the mood swings, yes, because I've... I've always had friends that have mental health problems. Every single friend I have is involved in mental health services or is in hospital somewhere. And they was all like the same as I was. So we was all really emotionally unstable together. And like, we'd just go out drinking together. We'd go party, we'd black out from it all. And that was our way of coping with it. Because, like, we'd all be, like, happy, then we'd get angry at something together, and it just wasn't productive. Well, so generally, what we do is, we're like people have who have magnets in our butts, Lydia. We tend to attack, attract each other, okay? And who do you want to hang around with? Well, you want to be with people like you. Yeah, I mean, I still do now, but, like... I'm a lot further along than I was back then, because back then I had no diagnosis, no medication, no nothing. I was just living life. Okay, so you went into the hospital, and you've had to, it sounds like you've had some fairly turbulent times. Uh, did you ever have anyone who actually really listened to you, Lydia? Actually sat down and listened? Yeah, so my last admission to hospital was in May. And, like, that admission literally changed everything for me. So it was, like, medication. Like, honestly, I'm on such a crazy mixture of medication. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, tell us, how, tell, us how that, tell us how that changed, how that changed things for you. Okay, tell us how that, you say that, that, admission, that admission changed things for you. Yeah, so I got started on antipsychotics then. I got started on benzos and... Someone actually sat down and explained, like, BPD to me. Okay. Like, because no one until then had actually sat me down and properly explained to me. So I did all my research. Well, Mike, uh, yes. And this is a, a really a microcosm of life when people go through life. And this is actually really the whole focus of fishing without bait. 
a lifetime without definitive expectations. We had a nice interview set up with Lydia. She was a well-spoken uh, young lady who was sharing us with her some of her background. However, uh, due to circumstances beyond both of our controls, we had to interrupt the interview until a later date. So if you and I would have pinned our whole day and our whole expectations on having a complete interview with Lydia, then Arc Day would have uh, been effectively ruined, would have not, Mike? Absolutely, I would have waited on everything going on. Thankfully, we have a lot going on. <laughs> we have, we have, we have more things going on. However, if we place expectations on one particular event, and that event, through circumstances really beyond either of our control, does not take place, then this is what we talk about, where we help people understand what they can control and what they cannot. Most people spend most of their time in the areas in which they cannot control, which causes much depression and much anxiety. So Lydia was discussing, uh, beginning to discuss, her diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. And um, as with most personality disorders and a lot of mental health disorders, the, the causes are a bit uh, fluid. They're, um, there are many different type of factors going in them. But generally, it's it's a mental health, and I really hesitate to use the word disorder. It's characterized by uh, unstable moods, behavior, and and relationships, Mike. Okay. Uh, generally, people who um, have some tendency with borderline personality disorder, and keep in mind there's many diagnoses and symptoms that bleed through, uh, fear of abandonment. Uh, people with borderline personality disorder, Mike, are often very much fearful of being abandoned or left alone. And this is usually from an environment where they grew up in a non-validating environment, whether where they someone either left them, uh, they were traumatized by uh, certain events, and these tend to play out in relationships, either being totally immersed and attached to someone, and loving them intensely, or shifting the other way when we perceive that we're maybe being disrespected, disregarded, or going to be abandoned, we can turn where we actually despise and we hate that person, all right, uh, which is described in the borderline personality disorder in the DCM-5 as having uh, unstable relationships. Um, so, and we, and then there's an unclear or a shifting type of fluid type of self-image, Mike. And one and one of the things you and I often discuss on this show, uh, particularly referring to our last episode, the requirements it takes to be with me, self-image. Most most borderline personality individuals have a have a changing fluid image of themselves. And we talked about self-concept being facts and information you know about yourself. Self-esteem being how you interpret those facts and information. So when you have an unclear concept and a shifting self-esteem, shifting self-image of yourself, uh, you can walk through life in just series being feeling very conflicted. Also, what we talk about in some of the symptoms of 
BPD as I'm going to call it, is very reactive, impulsive, uh, self-destructive behaviors. Uh, these can also lead to, of course, suicidal, what we would call ideation, whether it's passive, just thinking about it, or active, where you actually make plans and attempt to go through with it. Uh, borderline personality disorder is also associated with people having what we call non-injurious self-harm. All right, People who maybe burn themselves with cigarettes, uh, cut themselves on their arms, legs, uh, and generally there's misinterpretation about this also as most people think that, well, they're trying to kill themselves. No, they're not. Um, generally, the pain of their existence is so great, their emotional pain is so great that even a momentary reprieve by having that searing pain of a cigarette burn or a cut is worth that overriding, debilitating emotional pain that they're experiencing most of the time. Uh, we're talking about extreme uh, emotional mood swings. We call, in the mental health world, we call that lability, uh, where a person can be extremely high, then extremely low. Uh, what we call that, when a person experiences this uh, more often than not, we call that cycling. We call that rapid cycling. Uh, when a, a person can walk into a room, be one way, come back in a few minutes and, and be another way. Unfortunately, the view of these individuals is that uh, they're crazy, uh, poor self-control, or the number one thing that when you encounter a person like that, Mike, is if someone's acting in a pattern of behavior like that, uh, what do most people assume that they're doing? They're trying to cover that up with drugs. Yes. Yes. Well, it, most people assume bizarre behavior. Mm -hmm. Bizarre behavior, uh, behavior that is not, quote, normal. Most people associate, first of all, that this person must be using drugs. Okay? So, and we often talk about this on the show, is that there's a principle which will keep a person in everlasting ignorance, this is paraphrasing, and that's contempt prior to investigation. That's a quote by, by Herbert Spencer. One of the other commonalities of people with borderline personality disorder is feelings of emptiness, feelings of loneliness, feeling that they're a shell, feeling that there's nothing inside. And that can lead to disassociation. Disassociation is stepping outside of yourself and looking at yourself wondering, how is this happening? Who am I? It's, it's very frightening, Mike. It can be very scary. Also, fits of intense rage, explosive anger. Uh, if anyone ever wants to see what a borderline personality person would be in full, what I call full bloom, look at the final scene of, of Fatal Attraction with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. That, that is a borderline individual in full bloom. Uh, you can pull that, uh, pull that up on YouTube. Um, so, however, as with most diagnoses, and I know that we always try to avoid labels, and I know I do, in our practice we certainly do, people don't come into their room and say, Hi, I'm BPD. People don't come and walk into the room and say, Hi, I'm bipolar, or Hi, I'm depression, or Hi, I'm anxiety. When you walk into a room, you say to the person, say, hi, I'm... 
I'm mic'd. You're mic. You're mic. So what defines a person? Does a diagnosis define a person, Mike? No, no. It, it's what it, you're still you. You're still a personality. We define a person by their values, their choices, and their non-negotiables. That's how a person is defined. As in the intro to this episode, we talked about we're looking for people who are looking to create themselves rather than find themselves. All right? We're all products of our past. We're, I like to refer to it as the kitchen that we were cooked in and what ingredients went into, into what that particular dish was. Okay? And some of those dishes, some of those dishes turned out not so well because the ingredients that were used, let's say, were tainted or unhealthful mm-hmm. or a bit moldy, whatever. People always discuss whether it's nature versus nurture, okay, whether it's genetics or the environment that you were raised in. Uh, I don't believe that there can be any type of differentiation. When we, when we talk about the holistic wellness, we can also talk about the integrative, all the parts that took to make you the person that you are. And many of the situations that you found yourself growing in or in were not of your choosing. Were not of your choosing. So it's not what happened to you, it's what you're going to do about it. Everyone out there has a story that really needs to be heard. It's important. Active listening is incredibly important. One of the things we talked, one of the things that we discussed with Lydia was, were you ever heard? Who listened to you? And she was beginning to tell us about uh, being admitted to the hospital and somebody actually listening to her and sitting down and explaining how she was feeling, what was going on in her mind, and saying, this is what's happening. So what we often talk about, Mike, is having a mind of awareness rather than having a mind of uncertainty. If you have a mind of uncertainty and you're experiencing these mood swings, you're experiencing these feelings of emptiness, you're experiencing these feelings of intense emotional pain or abandonment, that's a tremendous mind of uncertainty. That's very frightening. We, we don't know how to deal with that. So what we try to help people do is learn how to deal with situations. It's like learning how to drive a car, Mike. If you had never driven a car and I said, Mike, I need to get to the hospital, you have to drive me, that would be that would certainly be, how would you feel? You might get me there, but I think we'd have some accidents along the way. Exactly, a little, a little helpless. Right. So the more that we're prepared, the more that we understand Here's here's what you're experiencing, and for what's going on in your life, this is normal. These are things that occur. So once we're aware of them, then we can learn how to deal with them. So if you're if you go to someone and the dog bites, then you stay away from it. Either that, or the person puts a muzzle on it. Uh, so we have to be aware of those things. Did you ever hear the whole old joke, Mike, about a person comes up? Uh, a guy's sitting on a porch and a dog sitting beside him and a person comes up and says, oh, what a beautiful dog. Does your dog bite? No, 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 it doesn't. And then he reaches over to pet the dog and the dog bites him. And the person says, I thought you said your dog didn't bite. And he said, well, this isn't my dog. <laughs> so we have to we have to be able to, def- to define terms and understanding that these type of disorders, uh, they're part of you. However, they do not define you. They do not define you. It's just like alcoholism, drug addiction, 
mental health disorders, anything. They do not define who you are. And that we always have to be aware, always have to have a what we call a clear mind rather than a clean mind. Um, when we have a clear mind, we know we have a mind of awareness. Uh, but the day, Mike, let's talk about alcoholism, the day that you can go through a whole day and at the end of it, realize that you haven't thought about alcohol, on that day you'll be free. On that day, you will be free. I know, uh, and I certainly appreciate everyone out there that shares their recovery stories and how many days, years that they've um, been clean and sober. Um, However, what I like to have is people participate in the moment and avoid keeping score. Okay? Uh, The more that we keep score, the more that we focus on the issue. All right. And the whole issue is about, okay, I'm dealing with that. Now I can participate in life through full impact mindfulness. Mike, have you, um, have you ever encountered an individual with borderline personality disorder? Not to my awareness. I know bipolar is, uh, I, I seem to run into, but not knowing. No. Yeah. Bipolar is, uh, one of the characteristics of that is just like borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. is emotion regulation. For some reason, 75% of individuals with diagnosed borderline personality disorder are females. Uh, And I think, again, we go back to whether that's a genetic type of sequence or the way that females have traditionally had their place in a home and how they're viewed and how they'd be able to participate not only at home but in society. Um, I believe that's certainly had an effect on, on that. So people with mental health disorders have something that can and needs to be treated just the same as diabetes, heart disease, high cholesterol, an ingrown toenail. Okay. It's something that can be treated so we can live and participate in our lives. So we're hoping to Again, and we'll let everyone know when we have uh, Miss Lydia on again, and we're certainly looking forward to that. However, let's offer everyone a free prescription, fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself. Do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself. Forgive another. Until all are free, none are free. Namaste. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutfaith.com, where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.